0: Our scripture this morning is from Ezekiel chapter 34 and it'll be verses 10 through 16. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. And as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel but the sleek and the strong, I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. May the Lord bless the reading of and the hearing of this word. Good morning. How's everybody today?
1: Good. Who knows what tomorrow is? Stop giving the answers away. (laughs) So tomorrow is the feast day of Saint Lucy or Saint Lucia. Anybody know who she is? Hmm? No, our cat is named Lucy. Well, this might give you a clue. Let's see if I can get it straight here. Does that help? No? The Ghost of Christmas present. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I would have worn a white dress, but it didn't fit. Um, so she would normally have a white dress and a red sash. And she was uh, born in 238, 83, 283 AD, long time ago. <clears throat> she was a Christian when it was not a good thing to be a Christian. The Christians at that point were being persecuted And she was from a very wealthy family. Her father had died, and she had a lot of money. Her mother was sick, so they went and prayed for her mother to be healed. And Lucy made a vow to God that if her mother was healed, she would devote her life to serving God. She would stay a virgin, and she would serve God well as a daughter of a wealthy family, and the mother was, she did get healed actually, Um, she decided that she needed to be married. Her, Her daughter needed to be married. And she chose a man who was not a Christian. And Lucy was very upset about that. So the money that she was supposed to give to her husband, she secreted away and bought food and supplies and took it to the Christians that were hiding in the caves and in the tunnels and the catacombs. But in order to carry all the stuff, it was dark. So she had to put something with light. So she rigged up a crown of candles so that she didn't have to use her hands to see where she was going. And that way she had two hands to give instead of just one. So, her husband-to-be, her fiancé, was very unhappy that this money was disappearing and going to these Christians that he thought was terrible. So he turned her in. He said, you know this Lucy over here that I'm supposed to marry? She's one of those Christians. You better get her. Well, her sentence was originally to be a prostitute. They, they were going to make her be a prostitute. Someone who's pledged their life to God and pledged to stay a virgin was now going to have to be a prostitute? Well, according to legend, that did not happen because the day she was supposed to be taken to the brothel, she became petrified like stone. So they couldn't take her there. So then they decided, well, we'll just burn her. So they built a fire around her and set it on fire. And she didn't burn. Weird. So there's all kinds of different tales about how she actually died. Some say she died in prison, but I believe that she was actually stabbed through the neck and that's how she died. But that's not what's important. What's important is many years later, she was born in Syracuse in Sicily, but many years later there was a famine. And she was seen coming on a boat full of food with her white robe, her red sash and her crown of candles. They saw two boats coming. When the boats came to shore, she wasn't there, but the boats were full of all the supplies they could possibly need. So a generous young woman who dedicated herself to God was still giving. Let's make sure we have two hands available to give this Christmas season because there are so many people in need. St. Lucie's costume, her white, reminds us of the purity. The red reminds us of her faith and her willingness to sacrifice. Her crown of light, bringing light to the darkness, reminds us that Jesus brought light into our dark world. Her crown was also made of evergreens, which reminds us of everlasting life. And her willingness to serve and the bread that she gave all points to Jesus the light of the world, the bread of the world, everlasting life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for St. Lucy. We thank you for the ministry she had. We thank you for her courage and her willingness to step out in faith, knowing that others were against her. We thank you for her generosity, and we thank you that you sent Jesus to bring us light, to bring us hope, and to bring us spiritual food. We thank you
2: in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, on this day where we contemplate your joy that you came to bring to us, we pray that we will have open minds and open hearts and that we will have a true sense of the good shepherd that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we already said, this is the third Sunday of Advent. It actually has a Latin name. Maybe the other ones have Latin names too, but the one for this one is more famous. It's called Gaudete, which means rejoice ye. <laughs> um, so if you ever see that word, that's what this is. That is what this is what it is referring to. So rejoice. This is also um, so. This is Joy Sunday. This is also the Shepherd Sunday. When we're talking about kind of subcategories for advent Sundays and we think on this Sunday of the shepherds that the angels came to um, who told the who were told about Jesus and went to see him as a baby in a manger that's the main focus of the shepherd candle but I think for that piece of the Christmas story to make sense We need to take a look at some other shepherds first. So we're going to look at the shepherds in Ezekiel chapter 34. Bernice read a small portion of that chapter. It's actually a pretty long chapter, and it is a God rant. (laughs) Um, The verses before chapter 10 are this really quite disturbing description of the leaders of the people of Israel at the time, um, and how they were treating the people that they were supposed to be shepherds over. So when you are in a leadership position, if you come across this passage, it can feel a little unsettling. <laughs> I actually think, I, so I didn't have this read at my ordination, but I've, it has occurred to me on a few occasions that it might make a difference to pastors if this passage were read or at least studied before their ordinations, because it is quite um, strong. The shepherds in this chapter are described as being selfish and violent and they're not out for the sheep. They actually just are raising these sheep to eat them. Um, They are oppressive of the sheep and might be a good idea for pastors to kind of have that in mind as a cautionary tale, maybe don't be like that. (laughs) But it it might also be a good idea to read a passage like this at a presidential inauguration. Right? Because political leaders can be bad shepherds too. In fact, I think Leadership like this is the type of leadership that many of us have come to expect. Basically, leadership that in some way does not look out for the good of the people that are being led and even is actually abusive. We see this from governments. We see this in churches. We see this in relationships. this type of authoritative, top-down, my way or the highway, everybody's second-guessing in case they make the leader mad, not out for the good of the people, this type of leadership has become so common in our world that I think we have become so used to it that sometimes we perpetuate it and we can perpetuate it in a couple different ways. We can perpetuate it by going along with it. If, If there's somebody, in power over us and they are being unjust and we just kind of are like well uh, i don't know what's going to happen to me if i rock the boat here so i'm just going to go along with it or if we get a little bit of leadership or power ourselves we don't know any other way to lead and so we start to lead like that ezekiel 34 was a prophecy and a promise of God given in a context where the people of God are in exile because they have been, mostly they have been unjust to each other and they have been worshiping false gods. And so they were taken away to, God had told them hundreds of years before, if you disobey me and you worship false gods and you mistreat each other, you are not going to be able to stay in this land the people that were here before you didn't get to stay in this land you won't get to either this is my land and so if you you follow the ways of the other people that got kicked out guess what you're also going to get kicked out so they're in exile and they had had a series of corrupt kings and corrupt priests and these shepherds were so bad that god describes them as eating the sheep so it also in this chapter, which Bernice read, is this promise from God. These shepherds are terrible. I am going to shepherd you, my people, myself. This is a promise that was comforting to the Israelite people when they were being ruled over by the Babylonians and then the Persians and then the Greeks and then the Romans. And they were looking forward to this promised Messiah who was going to come and represent god to them and shepherd them better here's something important to note this promise from god is not a promise that they don't need to have a shepherd anymore one of the problems that jesus encounters when he starts his ministry is he notices that the people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd that's not actually any better than having a really bad shepherd Both situations are bad. They are dangerous. You can get killed. If you don't have a shepherd to look after you, how are you gonna find good grazing ground? How are you gonna eat? How are you gonna find clean water to drink? You're on your own. There's no one taking care of you. There's no one looking out for your well-being. But if your shepherd is self-absorbed and doesn't care about the well-being of their sheep, then that's also bad. Both of these things are bad. This promise in Ezekiel is God is going to be your shepherd. You need a shepherd. You need a good shepherd. Okay, we'll get back to that. Joy to the world. What do we know about joy? We have talked about joy here before. Like I said last week, we've talked about peace here before. We've talked about joy before. Um, What can you tell me about joy? Okay, I was hoping someone would say that. Thank you, honey. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I didn't cue him up ahead of time. How is it different from happiness? Okay, it's longer lasting. Here's a question. How many people here know that from experience? okay, there are some people, but not everybody. We say this in church a lot, right? Joy and happiness are not the same thing. Joy comes from God, and joy is this kind of sense that, you know, all will be well and, and things are okay even if they're not, even if they don't seem okay. Um, but a lot of us maybe have heard that and we think we understand that, but if you really think about it, it's like, well, do I really know what that feels like? That used to be me, I really um, wanted that to be true, and every once in a while I'd have a glimpse of, yeah, you know what, I'm okay, even though this doesn't feel okay, but most of the time, all of that was theory. So last week we saw that preparing for peace doesn't always feel or start out very peacefully, and this week we're gonna see that shepherding joy isn't always like, yeah! everything's great and I'm okay and and the world is okay. It's not always like that. It is like that for the shepherds in Bethlehem. When the angels come to them, they're like first they're afraid and then they're really excited and they go and see the baby, which was just as it had been told to them. And they hurry off and tell everybody about this baby that has come in the manger and their joy is loud and big and exciting. And that is joy sometimes but often joy is actually a quieter bedrock under the surface trust that there is not, that there is not only a good shepherd, but that he is not just the concept, but he is my shepherd. He is your shepherd, he is our shepherd. And in order to trust that, it maybe helps a little bit to know what that means so we're going to listen i'm going to reread part of this passage that bernice read and ask you to listen to what the sovereign lord says he will do as a shepherd there's a whole lot of i will statements in this and consider how he has done these things in your individual life and for central baptist he said it, He's making this promise to the people of Israel, but we are his people too. And so just think, see if you can think about ways that he has done these things that he says he will do for you and for our church. He starts off and says, I myself will search for my sheep. One thing I can think of for Central Baptist is that This church has been through a lot, and we're still a pretty small congregation, but we're not as small as we were. And it seems like both from those of us that are here inviting other people, but also for people just walking in, God is kind of hand-picking people that he wants to be part of this particular body of his people. It sometimes feels sort of like a coincidence, except it's not, really. I will search for my sheep, he says. I will look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. Does anyone have any testimonies of how God has looked after you recently? cool. So he's looked after you by bringing you here. He found you, and he looked after you by putting you in this place. That's great. One more. Okay, I'm going to tell a story then. This is an actually an example of God doing that specifically for us, but this is this helps me think about this when it says, as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I used to live in the UK, as you know, and I loved my favorite thing, place to go when I had a break or whatever vacation is to go to Wales. Not Wales, Massachusetts. <laughs> Actual <laughs> Wales. And um, they have a lot of sheep in Wales. And the first time I rode in there, I was in a van with a group of people and we were driving through this, Wales is very hilly and somewhat mountainous. we were driving through this area and there's all these hills on either side and grass growing on the hills and there's sheep everywhere. And you can't see any kind of actual boundaries except for these old stone walls like we have here. And the sheep are not, during the day, The sheep are brought to a place where they can graze, and they're not penned in, and they all have like a paint mark on them so you know which shepherd they belong to, but they pretty much can go wherever they want in this area that they've been led to. They're not kept there. They they have little brooks running down that are full of moving, clear, clean water, and they have grass to eat, and they're scattered everywhere, though. And I didn't see the shepherd. But presumably there was a shepherd, because they all had the marks that they belonged to somebody. We got out of the car and fed them some grass and <laughs> um it it was cool. I sort of feel like this is the way it is with Jesus. When you have a good shepherd, you're not confined, you're actually free because and you're freer than you would be if you had no shepherd. Because you know you have someone that you can trust to look after you, but you don't have someone who's looking after you for your farm. You have protection and you have well-being and you have freedom to wander wherever you want in the space that the shepherd has led you to. Then he says, I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. This is a different kind of scattering. A day of uh, clouds and darkness sounds a little more ominous, right? So sometimes sheep get scattered for other reasons than just grazing. Sometimes they decide to go their own way, and they're just straying. Sometimes they get spooked and they run off and get themselves somewhere where they can't get back to the shepherd where they're supposed to be. And we know about this because Jesus talks about those kinds of situations where he goes off and looks for the lost sheep. Have we experienced clouds and darkness here? Yeah, we have. Have we experienced scattering? Yeah, we have, but Jesus is rescuing us from the places that we've strayed or the places that we've been scattering. And we can see this because we're filling up. He says, I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. So this is not a, sometimes people interpret Bible verses to be sort of nationalistic or like against other nations. That's not what this is saying. The original context of this is the Israelites are being scattered among these other nations because these other nations have taken them over because they got kicked out of their land. In the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, a lot of times when other nations are referred to, what God is really talking about or what the prophet is really talking about is the spiritual power that is over that nation, that is not God. So God is God of everything, but we talked in our Matthew sermon series about how God came in person to take back the rule of the world, right? And he, was, and he chose the Israelites specifically to be God of that specific people so that through them, he could regain his rightful rule over the rest of creation. In the meantime, there are all these other spiritual forces that are opposed to God that have had some kind of influence over these other nations and so when god talks in prophecies like this about the nations he's often saying i'm going to bring you out of those other spiritual powers that have had authority over you which the people gave to them they were they were worshiping idols they had given away god's authority and so god's saying i'm going to bring you out of there In Jesus context, so that's the original context in Jesus context. Now he's actually doing it. And so he's saying, I'm going to make one new family out of all the nations, not just the Jews. I'm bringing all of the nations under my rule. And we will be rescued, not from our heritage, but from the spiritual powers that oppose God that have been in any country In any principality, any force, any government other than God's own, God is going to rescue a people out. And that includes us from all the nations. So I will bring them out from the nations, the spiritual opposition, and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. And in the original context, that meant the land of Israel. That was the land that God had chosen to start this Retake of all of creation, but now that jesus is king we get brought to our own land wherever we are Where we are where central baptist church is This is god's land God is taking this land through his people and He is going to take all of creation through his people wherever they are throughout the world. This is why missionaries exists, because God wants all people to be part of his one flock. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land, God's people everywhere, the whole planet back under God's good rule. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. This is like This reminds us of Psalm 23, which we read in the responsive reading. Good pasture. He leads me into good pastures by clean waters restores my soul. He says, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. The good shepherd will give us rest and peace. He will not abuse us. We don't have to strive or feel guilty when we become his sheep and in that we can have a deeply settled joy a calm joy a comforting joy almost like a lullaby the joy of rest he says i will search for the lost and bring back the strays i will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak But the sleek and the strong, I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So, Pastor Jen, you always talk about the love of God. How come you don't ever talk about God's holiness? (laughs) God's holy, too. What about sin? Yeah. So, God is holy. And he's really mad in Ezekiel chapter 34 because he's holy. He's mad at the bad shepherds he's also mad at the sheep. But first, let's think about this. We often picture God in his holiness as being like our bad shepherds, but worse, because that's what we have experienced before. We understand that God is holy, God doesn't sin, God doesn't like sin, we sin. And so we imagine God is just looking for the littlest excuse to smite us and throw us on the barbecue. (laughs) That's what bad shepherds do. And the only reason we think God is like that is because we've all had bad shepherds. Standards of holiness do not have to work like that. In fact, they don't. That's not holy. God is not capricious. God is not petty. God isn't just really, really wanting some excuse to do something bad to us. That's what abusers do. God's not like that. We assume... That God's hatred of our sin means that actually, even though the Bible tells us he loves us and Jesus died on the cross for us and all of that stuff, it means that he actually will respond and wants to respond like our bad shepherds, but in a super God-sized way. Which is scary. Why would we want that shepherd? How is there any joy in that? But this is Joy Sunday, and it's... Joy Sunday because of the shepherds and the shepherds experienced joy. The shepherds in the time of Jesus were not necessarily a super respected. Category of society, they were dirty. They couldn't go to synagogue because they were working with their sheep all the time. They probably were a little crass and Um uh, They were kind of working in the land, even as people were becoming more urbanized. They weren't the cool kids. And on the night Jesus was born, they're given good news of great joy, and they're given tidings of comfort and joy by the angel. In the NIV, it says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. News to the shepherds for all the people. A baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a feed trough is both the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and an actually good shepherd. We have a good shepherd who is not only completely consistent in his love for us, but became a sheep like us, along with us, for us. A sheep who would be slaughtered and sacrificed by the bad shepherds, by the spiritual powers, by the human powers, and... By the evil in our own, the sin and evil in our own lives and our own hearts. Our good shepherd became a sheep who was sacrificed for us so that we can be both his redeemed sheep and we can follow his example as good shepherds to No longer harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and no longer abusers because we've been abused, but cared for and helped to bring justice and mercy to our world. Yes, we sin. And in the chapter, actually, after the passage, we looked at Jesus has our God has some very strong words against the sheep who are eating each other. The shepherds and the sheep are a mess. But joy to the world. We have a God who loved us so much. He not only wanted to shepherd us well, but become one of us. I hope that you can take that into your heart and into your life this week and that you the more you think about it, the more encouraging that will be and the more you'll be able to see what having God as a shepherd really is, what it really does, and how it can really help us. And for our closing prayer today, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm just going to read a whole bunch of passages about God as our shepherd. Let's pray together. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Isaiah 40, verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Jeremiah thirty one ten. Hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in the distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. Micah 5, verse 4. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Luke 12, verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Luke 15, verses 3 to 7. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Verses from John chapter 10. (laughs) I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Finally, Psalm 95, verses 7 and 8. He is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your